0: Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. morning, Church. My name's Sean and I'm a part of the team here. Would you join with me in prayer as we come to the Word? Father God, we want to thank you for being here with us. We thank you that you are one with us, that we are one with you. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to each of us individually, right where we are, right where we are at in our lives. We ask that you would speak life and that you would grow truth within us. We thank you for all that you're going to do this morning. I ask, Lord, that my words are not my own, but they are the very words that you want spoken to your people. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Dr Ravi Zacharias, a Christian apologist quite well known, passed away last week. And I had a strange experience when I heard about this. I personally have never met this man and I haven't spent a lot of time at all reading his material or listening to his material. But on hearing of his passing, I became a little bit emotional and I can't really explain it, but I felt as though I had lost a family member for a moment. This photo was posted on a Facebook post. It's of Dr. Ravi and another man named Nabil Qureshi. Nabil passed away in 2017 and they ministered a lot together. The post read One of them from a Hindu culture, the other from a Muslim family. One is an Indian and the other a Pakistani. The world would have them be enemies, but Jesus Christ made them brothers brothers who ministered together and testified of the one who gave them new life, eternal life. Both remained steadfast in their suffering to cancer, and as of today, both are now in the presence of Jesus together once again. This morning, I want to share with you a message that I've entitled, Blood is Thicker Than Water. From this thought that, you know, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, it's been thrown around for years, that it means... Blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Today, it means basically that family over everything and everyone. But originally, it meant the opposite. It meant the bond you have with true friends is stronger than any family relation. And I believe that this has a powerful application to the body of Christ today. So as we continue to explore love does and loving one another... I'm reminded once again of what love has done for us and what love is doing today. If we go right back to the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, I think we could agree on two things. Firstly, I think we could agree that God didn't need humanity. The Father, the Son and the Spirit were in complete oneness and the very thought that God needed us is preposterous. God was and is and will always be complete. Secondly, I think that we can agree that God created humans for the purpose of building family, a family that would be one with him, that would be one with each other, and that they would exist on a pure foundation of his unconditional love. We read in Genesis that God said to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply or extend the family When I think of this scene, I almost always think of Adam and Eve and God as the first church, the first members of the first church here on earth. And this church was not a building. There wasn't a committee. There wasn't a formal youth or children's ministry or music team and so on. The first church was a picture of family, walking together, doing life together, loving one another, There was unity, diversity, uniqueness, and oneness. They knew who they were, as in their true identity. They were sons and daughters of God, and they knew that. But they also knew whose they were. They knew they had a father that loved them. But something happened. Satan distorted the very words of God to the point that Adam and Eve began to question and they became confused about their identity. And subsequently, they believed that God was holding something back from them. The truth of their oneness was questioned and so Adam and Eve's response was, well, maybe God is holding something back. I mean, look how beautiful the fruit is, not just to eat, but it'll make us wise. Maybe we're not as close as what we think we are. They ate the fruit and this created a tear A separation between man and God that man would never be able to repair. It says immediately their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. And I would suggest that they didn't like what they saw. I would suggest that two things happened. That they no longer knew where they stood with God and that they no longer knew where God stood with them. They were experiencing what we would call an identity crisis. They were no longer in a place of oneness. This original family unit was broken. One had become two. And the once complete and perfect family was now incomplete, imperfect, and in fact, it became became quite dysfunctional. We just have to look at Cain and Abel in a couple of chapters. What God had brought together, man had separated Before God put them out of the garden, he said to them that one was coming in the future, the second Adam, Jesus, and that he would repair the tear, the separation. He would bring back together and unite the family once again. Man would be restored to the Father and it would start with a new tear. The Bible tells us that as Jesus declared from the cross, it is finished and as he gave up his spirit, that the veil in the temple that separated man and the presence of God was torn from top to bottom, which is a restorative picture of God reaching down to us and stepping out of heaven to be with us, God inviting us back into the family. The other night I was getting dinner for Katrina and these words rose up within me. Son, I'm shaking up organised religion. I'm redefining church to be what it was always meant to be a family unit. You see, when the first church was messed up, organised religion stepped in and tried to repair the tear with activity. And by nature, you know, we want to fix what's broken and we kind of rose up and told God that we could fix this. What we did is we underestimated the size of the tear and somehow thought that obeying a few rules, reading our Bible and praying for 30 minutes a day, could fix this. But right from the get go, God made it clear that Jesus would come and only He could repair what man had broken. And He was not only willing, He joyfully embraced His cross, and we were embraced with joy. Jesus came to the earth and began to show us what family was and what it looked like. He chose 12 seemingly random disciples. Uh, prostitute, a criminal, a trader, tax collector, a few fishermen, Judas Iscariot, and he created family. In Jewish culture, a rabbi and his disciples were actually considered to be one household, and this is what God was doing. He was building his kingdom, his household. Jesus said to us that he was the invisible, uh, the visible image of the father. He showed us what our father looked like, But he also showed us how to relate to him. And he invited us into this. And in becoming the guilty one, he said, it is finished. And he said, just believe that I have repaired the tear. And you will be a part of my family. You will be one with us and you'll be one with each other. In John 17, Jesus prayed for you and I in this very manner. He then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And this brings me to Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. This says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep, The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul spends the first three chapters of Ephesians explaining to us the revelation of how much God loves us, who we are in Christ, and how the family unit has been repaired to once again function as a family and in a place of oneness. In chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Paul explains that because of God's love for us, even when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. Alive together here is translated quickened with or to become one. And this is what's happened if you have believed the gospel Christ not only lives in us, but we are now one with him. And then Paul shares a beautiful, beautiful truth. Not only have we been joined to Christ, not only are we one with Christ. Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female have become one. Chapter 2, 13 of Ephesians tells us how this has happened. And Paul clearly states... That it is the blood of Christ that is responsible for reuniting the family unit. We are all one, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if you're married or dating, don't let that weird you out. It's a spiritual oneness that we're talking about. Blood is thicker than water. You are connected by the blood of the new covenant. We are members of one household, God's household. As Paul explains in the chapters leading to Ephesians 4, We are not an organisation. We are a family of believers. When I was growing up, I can remember so many times having pretty big blowouts with my brother. There were a few fistfights and there were lots of words exchanged and times of, you know, significant um, times where we didn't actually speak. But one thing was that when one of us was in trouble, the swords were laid down and we joined forces for the good of the family. My brother did things for me that I know that he wouldn't do for another soul on this planet. We were brothers by blood. But I also have a mum at this church whom I'm not related to, but who I'm joined to in the spirit. We are one, one blood. We are family. You might also like to look at um, King David and Jonathan in the Bible and see how they came together from different families quite a unique situation but they join together in blood. Paul is encouraging us here in Ephesians 4 to walk out the path set before us with all humility, gentleness and patience and forbearing with one another in love for the purpose of unity in the spirit, for the bond of peace. So why are we so frustrated at times? Why do we allow the words and the behaviours of others in the body of Christ to pull on the emotional strings of our life? Why do we get so offended by the actions of those around us? Could it be that we sometimes see church as an organisation with members rather than a family with brothers and sisters? Could it be that we have expectation on others to meet needs that only God can truly meet? Could it be that others let us down and this throws us off from our ideal picture of how we believe others should treat us? This morning I just want to explore The area of identity and expectation. Adam and Eve experienced an identity crisis. Jesus came and he restored that. The identity crisis is over, it is finished. Jesus died for our sins, but more than that, he died to repair the tear. And then he rose from the grave, ascended to the Father, and poured one spirit out into each that believes. We are family, not an organization. We're the body of Christ, not a country club. Unfortunately, church, as I mentioned earlier, has become an organization and we sometimes create servants and slaves, getting our agendas met, getting our numbers right. But church was always meant to be a family, from the very first family to right here, right now, today. You see, parents don't raise servants and slaves. Parents raise sons and daughters. God is our father. And he doesn't want servants and slaves. He wants sons and daughters. And we are all sons and daughters of this house. We are spiritually connected. And might I suggest that the connection is more real than any physical connection that you might have on the face of this earth, because it's an eternal connection. When God created you, he created you with spiritual needs, the need for love and acceptance and significance, assurance, commitment, security and rest. These are needs that only God can meet perfectly. Other people are not designed to meet your needs perfectly. People are fallible and the Father wants us to go to him so that we can have those needs met by him. Let's say I go to Katrina for acceptance. This could be a real story or it might not be. I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm feeling a bit deflated by an interaction that I had earlier I had a bit of a disagreement at work and I left feeling that no one was really listening to my point of view. Well, I get home and I start to try and talk to Katrina about it and um, she's busy with the kids and like, the bath time and all those sorts of things. And she snaps at me and tells me in kind of a harsh way to talk to her later. But all I experienced in the moment was rejection. So I was rejected at work and I was rejected at home and this has the potential to cause all sorts of problems. See, the problem isn't her response to me or my experience at work. The problem is is that we often look to other people to meet the needs that only God can meet perfectly. If I know that I'm accepted by God, man's reactions or life's experiences should not unhinge me and cause problems in my life. When we look to others to meet these needs, we hand them control and we allow them to tell us who we are and how to feel. We become puppets for them. Let me paint a little picture for you. We're each born created as an incomplete puzzle, a puzzle with only one piece missing. This puzzle piece that completes us is Jesus. But we often look to others and we try and use other people as puzzle pieces to try and complete us or complete our puzzle And because these pieces don't fit, we try and jam them and force them in. And it kind of dings everything up a little bit. But there's a greater puzzle. There's a bigger picture in all of this. It is said that we have a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. He is the missing puzzle piece of our humanness. And as our picture is complete, when we let Jesus slot perfectly in and complete us the bigger picture starts to emerge and take shape. We realise that our complete picture, our whole self, is simply a single puzzle piece to a puzzle that God himself is putting together. When we go to others and try and meet a need that only God can meet, it's like trying to make a puzzle piece fit where it simply was never made to fit. The results are dinged up, bent and broken pieces When we expect others to fit into a space, to meet a need that they were never meant to meet, we end up disappointed and discouraged, rejected and frustrated, annoyed, angry, offended, hurt, dysfunctional, and so on. Jesus is building his church, his family. Jesus presents us with an invitation to invite him in to complete us, to simply believe in him, And when we accept this, we connect with him and we become one with him. And we connect with our brothers and sisters and we become one with them. When we know who we are in Christ, we stop looking to have the needs met by others in the body of Christ, needs that only God meets perfectly. We don't rely on others' love or acceptance to complete us. We don't allow the words or behaviours of others to unhinge us and divide us. We pour ourselves out for others in the family we don't get caught up in trivial matters or hurt and offended by another's dysfunction. We walk in love and we allow his peace to flood our lives and family unit. Paul shares four areas in Ephesians 4 that he encourages us with that can help us here. He says with all humility. So when we understand and walk in humility, we know who we are in Christ. We can be a peacemaker without needing to fight for our rights. We know that our flesh is weak and that we cannot live in our own strength. And humility produces a grace that understands that others are also fallible and weak. John fifteen five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Humility recognises not that I am nothing, but that I have nothing that I cannot contribute to the Christian life, that my needs are met only in Christ, that Jesus has accepted me just as I am, that I am not working to be right with him, but that I have received something that I am incapable of producing. It's taking responsibility by saying, God, I cannot repair the tear, but you can. He also says with gentleness. This is also a word we use, which is meekness. And meekness is a term used to describe a wild stallion being reined in, a horse being controlled by a bit and bridle. The horse submits to authority, and for a believer, it's power under the control of the Holy Spirit. It describes one who lives out their new identity, not being emotionally led, but being led by the Spirit of God. He also says, with patience, patience is accepting and tolerating delay not allowing problems or suffering to create annoyance or anxiety. And he also says, bearing with one another. This word is the word forbearance, and it's a legal term, which means the action of refraining from exercising a legal right, especially enforcing the payment of a debt. This gives us incredible insight into what exactly Paul is saying here. But Paul then underpins these four areas by declaring these final words. He says with humility, with patience, forbearing with one another in love. And Paul has used the word agape here once again. And this is a love that we're just unable to produce. This is Jesus living and loving through us. It's these things, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, underpinned by the unconditional love of the Father that truly creates family. So each of the four above-mentioned areas depends on one thing, getting self out of the centre and getting Jesus into the centre. And that's what family is dependent upon. And this is what brings us peace. Within a family of believers, we must be willing to give up our own self-interest for the good of the family. As long as my feelings, my prestige or my agenda are the things that matter most... There really can't be any real peace. But humble, meek and patient sons and daughters are committed to our. We're not talking about a peace that's manufactured. We're not talking about masks. It's not formal or imposed by authority. It's not created by man. It's a peace that flows from individuals being one with Christ, at rest and at peace with God, knowing who they are, whose they are, knowing they're loved, accepted and valued by the head of the house. And this overflows to the one another. We act out of a response to his loving action toward us. We're not trying to be something to somebody, to create or manufacture peace. It's natural. It's a fruit of the spirit. Individuals understanding who they are in Christ and therefore unthreatened by others. And so we walk in peace side by side, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand for the glory of God. The message shares Ephesians 4, 5 and 6 like this. You were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. How beautiful is that? Like Dr Ravi and Nabeed, we too all come from all walks of life, backgrounds, ages, races and genders. And it's very likely that being a Christian in this area, this postcode is the only thing that some of us have in common. But we are not an organisation of members with personal agendas that, that's not who we are in Christ. Under Christ, we're a family of believers bound by the blood of Jesus. He loves us and we'd be willing to surrender and allow him to love our brothers and sisters through us. And it doesn't just stop with us here at VPBC. Every single person that has received Christ as Lord and Saviour is our brother and sister. So It's a big family, but we have a big God, a big Papa, who loves us in a big way. And so in closing this morning, we have been joined together. Two have become one, one with Christ and one with each other. When we allow our flesh to rule, when we expect others to complete us with their actions and words, rather than the unconditional love of God and trusting him to meet all of our needs, we're destined to separate from one another. We will allow allow our high expectations to disappoint us and, tear us apart but I want to encourage us this morning church that what God has joined together let no man separate Jesus has repaired the tear we should also understand that you know we're not perfect we never will be here on earth we will get frustrated annoyed and we will even argue we don't abide in Christ perfectly all the time we don't have to be perfect that's the beauty of it We just need to look to Jesus and not to each other to fulfill us. When we do that, our relationships with one another are not built on conditions and we're free to love others, not needing anything in return. Blood is truly thicker than water. It's his blood that joins us perfectly together in unity, which brings peace. This morning... As our time together comes to an end, would you simply listen to this song that we're about to play and receive the blessing from the Father? This song is called The Blessing, and it was released on the 3rd of May this year during the coronavirus pandemic. And this is 65 churches and movements across the United Kingdom coming together as one to declare a blessing over the nation. They put aside style and difference, denomination and preference, different ages, genders, races, operating in diversity, uniqueness, and in oneness. This is God's original benediction over the people of Israel. And I leave you this morning with the words that Aaron spoke in Numbers 6, 22 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless.
1: And be gracious to you, Lord. isn't second-guessing. We know that we are protected. May the peace that surpasses all understanding be our message. Grace and favors in your nature, in your essence. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. And your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. Your family and your children and their children and their children. Please, Thank you.